your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now it's that time of week when we take a look at the main news stories of the week with our Friday morning coffee break panel. And this morning we are joined by Pat Brown of Munster Business, Emer Hock from Braw Local Pastry Chef and Emer O'Donnell, EOD of Cleaning Services. Good morning to you all. You're very welcome to Limerick Today. Thanks, Ellen. Uh, that's yourself, Pat, first of all. Um, and do we have Emer on the line as well? Yes, we do. Emer Hock, and we're just uh, waiting there on Emer O'Donnell. Um, we'll start first of all with you, Pat, and these trees, pop-up trees in Limerick. This was all over social media at the weekend, and we covered it here as well on the on Live ninety five News. Um, that a mobile mini forest arrived in the city centre to help create p- spaces for people to relax and hang out while supporting local businesses. Um, and this was a small scale project to show off pedestrianisation and how it would work in Limerick. And the trees, mobile trees, moved around. They kind of had little benches on either side of them. They were on uh, Catherine Street one day, then they were on Sarsfield Street and Sarsfield Bridge and Honan's Quay. Now, the big controversy, well, well, in terms of social media controversy, was the fact that they were put on Sarsfield Bridge on the day of the Munster final. And lots of people were very, very unhappy because they were saying, you know, you're blocking a main archery into the city um, on a day that the big match and a lot of people from Clare would have been travelling uh, to through Limerick maybe on, on the way to Thurlis. So, Pat, what did you think of the mobile trees? Um, I didn't actually get to see them. I was away doing weddings at the weekend. But um, looking at the pictures on, online, I think it looks lovely at Castle Street. And I can see why it would be a nice thing to have. But I definitely do agree with the fact that plonking it on the bridge was not <laughs> not the best idea ever, particularly on that particular day. I, I did get to listen to the match on the radio, Live 95, of course, uh, of course. on the way back from a wedding. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I think I, I've seen the pictures from uh, from Castle Tree. They look really nice. Yeah. You know, on a lovely sunny day when there's festivals on in town, I think it's a nice idea. Yeah, nice decoration. Just, yeah. And uh, I'll tell you something. Nice, some of it, like. Just to go back to uh, listening to the match, because I was away at the weekend as well, and I also <laughs> listened on Live 95 uh, through the app um, uh, to the match. It was so much to listen to, wasn't it? Oh, I, I, I bet if there was guards out doing speed checks, I think it was going faster and then slower <laughs> and faster and then slower. Because <laughs> I was trying to see if I could make it home before the very end of it. And that last couple of seconds, I swear, I must have taken corners on two wheels, I think. <laughs> There's something about the way your heart goes into your mouth when you're listening to radio commentary on a match that is as tight and as exciting as that. Oh, yeah, I was talking to my sister and she said that um, that my sister's husband was watching it on the telly and they were in the kitchen listening to it on the radio. And there's a little bit of an advantage, or, you know, a couple of seconds lead the radio has over the TV. Yeah. So the husband's going, what are you shouting that? What are you shouting that? <laughs> and then yeah. a couple of seconds later, he goes, oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. um, Emer Hawk, uh, the trees, the mobile trees, did you see them in real life or did you catch the pictures on social media or what did you think? Uh, unfortunately, I was actually away also that weekend. Everybody, Everybody was, was away from the weekend. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I actually didn't see them myself. I did see pictures of them on social media. I had friends who um, who were there <clears throat> and went to um, uh, watch a few musicians in front of the commercial. And then I had other friends who were over um, on Nicholas Street. I think uh, Treaty City Brewery were, were, brewery, excuse me, were doing um, an event at the time. So they went over as well on that. Um, I think they did like it, but... Um, it was very exposed to the elements as well as all the traffic problems that uh, it may have caused as well. Um, so I think 
Uh, the, I know that the, the the press release that was sent out talked about when it was on Faster Bridge, it was about you know a forest floating over a river, which is a lovely image to have. Um, but really, in it, in reality, it probably would have suited if we could tie it in with another event like what was happening in Nicholas Street. I think that would have probably worked an awful lot better rather than. Um, allowing sort of that kind of nice romantic imagery to, to lead the way instead. And Ema O'Donnell, what about yourself? I have to agree with uh, with our coffee buddies there. Um, definitely Sarsfield Bridge wasn't, I think, the wisest choice, um, purely because it is a main archery. Um, there would have been a lot of suitable places where it could have happened. It's unfortunate that I think the timing right now with the state of O'Connell Street um, it's, it's difficult to imagine three other streets being closed off when people can't get through the town centre. So I'm not convinced that this June bank holiday and this year in particular was the right time to do it. The concept is lovely and it would be lovely to see more green around the city and encourage, you know, the natural habitat to, to do more in the city centre. Uh, definitely, it's, it's a great idea and I think people shouldn't knock the idea. But the timing and Sarsfield Bridge were definitely... Um, it wasn't very very good for the council to uh, to get that type of feedback. It's not what they hoped for, considering how much it must all have cost. Well, uh, as somebody who wasn't affected by it, because I was outside of Limerick at the weekend, so it didn't frustrate me at all because I didn't need to cross the bridge. But I enjoy whenever this sort of thing happens are the comments that go up on social media because you get the people who are, you know, just want to drive their car everywhere thinking it's an absolute disgrace. And then you get the people who just want the whole city pedestrianised uh, fighting back. And you, you can get a, a really good debate going. Limerick people are very opinionated with their comments. <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on to a more serious story this week. And that is the increase in homelessness in Limerick City. 12% increase so far this year. And Limerick now has the highest level of homelessness per capita outside of Dublin. Um, Pat, this is, uh, I suppose, a problem that is just not going away. It gets worse and worse uh, as time goes on. And with the squeeze on people's pockets and purses, uh, there's no end in sight. I mean, this is this is not a new uh, a new story. This has been happening for the last couple of years. I think there was some protection there for people during COVID that you couldn't be evicted, your landlord couldn't do much with you. But now that they've kind of taken those reins off again, people are being told to leave their houses. They're being, you know, allegedly sold to a family member, and then they're back on the market again later. I know there's regulations on it, but I think it's very difficult to um, hold people to that. And the whole lack of housing stock is a big issue as well. Yeah, and we are hearing of a lot of evictions happening, like what you mentioned. Uh, I know Paul Gavin was in the Senate. Let's just take a listen to what Paul Gavin had to say about uh, evictions happening around uh, Limerick. I found it absolutely chilling to hear that last Monday alone in Limerick, there were 80 eviction notices received by the Homeless Action Team. 80 in one day. And I can tell you from speaking to colleagues... It's not um, uncommon across the country right now. There has been a huge rise in eviction notices. And I can tell you that the people we're speaking to who deal with housing in Limerick have never been more concerned. And that's saying something given the last few years that we've been through. Uh, Emer, that's Senator Paul Gavin speaking about the number of evictions. And, you know, I know personally in my own life who've ha- uh, people who've had those eviction notices from their landlords. And... You know, it's one of the most stressful things you can get if you're renting, knowing that there's so few places out there that you may be able to move to. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's. Um, I was reading some of the, the um, articles about the homelessness issue and the fact that um, the local charity only has 100 um, rooms available for people and there are constant people and they constantly have to turn people away is just so chilling. Like, it really is horrible. Um, and that I can't believe that there is... Did he say 18 or 80? 80. 80. 80. 80. on one day. Oh, my God. That is awful. And I think there was, like, during the, the pandemic, obviously, there was, there was a lot of feel-good stories about, you know, landlords forgiving rents or, like, having it for, for people in difficult times. Um, and I think that sort of sentiment isn't there anymore because there's this rush back to normality and that everything's fine. And if you can't afford, you know, there, there must be something that you've done wrong if you haven't yet recovered from a pandemic that left you jobless or, or less income coming into your household or anything like that, that it's a you issue rather than a national one. And I think that's incredibly, um, it's incredibly important for people to see that, that, that there is such long range consequences to people's incomes being so, um, so, you know, horribly um, decreased um, that it isn't just possible to, to turn it around like that. It's not, it's not. And that there should be something in there to help people. I mean, I don't think um, it's going to be something that I that I can comment properly on because, uh, to be honest with you, it's just not something that I, that I know an awful lot about, unfortunately, but I just have massive amount of sympathies for, for people um, who are in that position. Yeah, and Emer O'Donnell, the thing about mm. homelessness and is that it can have a knock-on impact on so many other things. You know, somebody gets evicted from where they're living and then all of a sudden they can't hold down their job because they can't get to their job from wherever else, whatever couch they might be sleeping on. Yeah. And sometimes it can lead to a breakdown in relationship and then you're you're down a slippery slope and it can spiral into things like alcohols, alcoholism and drug dependence. And that can happen in a very short space of time for people. It can break homes, it can break families. Um, it's a dreadful plight. It's, this is the, what we're reaping from the decisions we made 15 years ago. You know, when you hear of homeless people, like when this first came up and this was mentioned to me, um, your first presumption is that these are people who are living on the street. People forget that homeless people now are people who had a house yesterday and they don't have a house today. Mm, And there could be several children in that house. There could be kids in college, kids in school, parents trying to hold down two jobs. And minimum wage right now doesn't take you very far. And, you know, and more and more people are struggling through college at the moment. They may or may not come through it with their degrees because COVID had a knock-on. But this is actually a series of knock-ons that are going on for over 15 years. We all know there was a thing called the Celtic Tiger. We all know we had to tighten our belt afterwards and housing and buildings stopped. And then this magic word regeneration came, in, came on the scene and houses started to be demolished that were perfectly fine the day before, but now they suddenly had to be demolished. And the rebuilding of that hasn't happened. So the people who should have been taken care of in that situation were moved into the private market with HAP. And HAP is now the biggest supplier of rent, how would you say, benefit for the, for the want of another word, for people who are not able to meet their obligations because they should be in social housing. Their social houses have now been knocked down, so they're now in the private rental market. So everything is like a perfect storm to this mad squeeze of housing availability. Back in the noughties, people sat in pubs and talked about their housing portfolios. Now those people are 25 and 30 years older and they want to cash in. And COVID meant they couldn't cash in for the last five years and now they're rushing to do it because house prices are getting fantastic returns. So they're trying to cash in and retire, which is 
expectable as well. But the problem here is, and there are people in government saying it all the time and they're not being listened to, our housing stock does not exist. And we can't all live on HAP. So there's a huge issue there with the way it's being handled and they need to start thinking outside the box. Doing the same thing over and over again is not going to get them a different result. And nobody is taking this on board and saying, how do we fix this? This is actually a 15-year problem. We've all known for this amount of time that this was quite capable of happening. And nobody is secure out there right now if they're renting. They're one month away from being given a month's notice. No, and to add to all of their problems, and I mentioned the food and grocery price increases. Uh, Emer Hawk, have you noticed them in your grocery basket? Absolutely. As you mentioned at the start of the show, I'm actually a pastry chef. Um, so uh, I've noticed it not only in my like prices are going shopping for myself and my household, but also definitely at work as well. Um, we've had to do an awful lot of kind of shuffling around of ingredients and changing things and recipes and um, really trying to um, buy from places. Like we, we do an awful lot of like price checking now between various places because it used to be that if you wanted something at the cheapest price possible, um, you'd go to commercial suppliers like Musgraves or Richardson's or one of those. Um, whereas now we're we're checking all those. We're checking all of the um, supermarkets, all of the kind of cheaper ends of the scale as well, just to see if there's anything that we can do in the prices so we don't have to pass that along to the consumer. Um, but it, 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 it's incredible. Like the, the the prices of things have gone up. And I did see um, when we were researching this, one of the big the big um, push button uh, things that people were talking about was actually toilet paper. Um, and the fact that it had gone up hugely in the last in the last year, and the reason behind that was because the price of pulp, which is what toilet paper is made from, is gone from um, costing six hundred six hundred dollars per ton last September to nine hundred dollars last month. So pulp is what is used to make, as I said, toilet paper, but it's also used to make kitchen paper. It's also used to make the packaging um, that goes around things. And obviously people have bought online massively in the last couple of years in particular. And all of that requires packaging to go in the post. So that is one of the reasons that is actually driving the cost up. Um, And the CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index, um, which is basically the government, the government basically goes shopping every month and fills up a basket um, full of kind of our household goods um, to see what the price of those is, um, has gone up or down by. That's actually gone up almost 8% in the last 12 months. So, I mean, it's, there's massive increases on, on everything going into a shopping basket now for households. Pat, it's frightening, isn't it, when you hear things like that? And oh, the, the toilet paper is something that, as I say, it's an absolute necessity in every home. Yeah, and, and it's it's the cost of everything has gone up. I mean, the you know, fuel prices have, have gone up dramatically. That's the one that's hit me the most at the moment. Like, I filled my tank yesterday was 135 euros. Wow. <laughs> and it would normally be under 100, you know, definitely uh, for a full tank. Um, but you can see that those costs are eventually, you know, the companies can absorb that for a while, but eventually it's going to have to be passed on to the public. So you start to see announcements on social media of, you know, we haven't put our prices up in the last two years, but now we've no choice. We have to put them up slightly for all different things. Um, because there's only so much, profit margins are so tight. There's only so much leeway for saying, look, we won't put the price up when the price up. And you realise, businesses realise we have to put it up because it's, you know, we're nearly selling at a loss now. Yeah, it went viral on a, a TikTok that uh, some shop was charging seven euro for a chicken roll, Emer O'Donnell, and uh, <laughs> people were saying it was an absolute robbery. You know, people are getting 
very excited about small individual things like that, but, yeah. you know, calling it a rip-off. But businesses, they, they're facing massive hikes in their electricity bills and in their produce, all that kind of thing. So it's inevitable. Yeah. Utilities have soared, food prices have soared. Um, and I know the government get, came under a lot of pressure when it came to fuel and they kept insisting that they couldn't change the vet on it. But the fact of the matter is, if you're bringing in more revenue because the price has gone up, your share of the vet portion has also gone up. And again, I'd say the same thing. They need to stop doing what they've always done and they need to start thinking outside the box. And, you know, if you want to walk into a random shop and be handed a roll for seven euro, that's your prerogative. But you can also bring a lunchbox. We all have cooler bags. You can bring your lunch to work like you always did. I mean, a lot of it is we've been spoiled for a very long time and we don't know how to be frugal. Uh, there's a huge movement out there at the moment on Instagram with, you know, Irish budgeting, Mammy, Frugal Mama, uh, the, what is it, the Caribbean dub. And they're all women who are making it happen on nothing because they're on their own bringing up kids and they have to make money stretch. And I'm, I just admire them all because they are just so inventive with the things they do. One lady puts up recipes of how she can feed a family of five for five euro every day. I follow her and it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. amazing. She shows what you she the receipt. With nothing. Yep. She'll show you the receipt. She'll yep. show you what she bought and she'll make it happen. And I mean, and don't get me wrong, we all know what it's like to get to the till and the kids are like, Mom, 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 right. can I have this? Can I have that? And you nearly have a meltdown at the till if you don't hand them something. But we have to get clever about what we do. And we have to start looking at how we spend. And the worst thing that was ever invented for anybody who has money running out of control with them at the moment is a cash card. Because yeah. you get to the till and you tap and you have no idea what you've just spent and that that actually went out of your account. Yeah. You know, and any time I ever talk to people about budgeting, I always tell them the same thing. Your bills have to come first. You have to know that you set aside your budget so that at least you've broken the back on your bill when it comes in. You mightn't have it all, but you'll have most of it sitting there ready to go. And then give yourself your budget for groceries. Go to the hole in the wall. Take out that much money. That's my money for groceries. And if I have something on the, the trade that shouldn't be there and I've run out of money, tell the girl on the till at 100, at 120, at 140, you stop and you tell me. And things like the comic books and all the things you picked up that cost a fiver, they're all being left behind on the shelves now. You know, because people just have to tighten the belt. And for those of us who are of uh, um, a certain age, uh, like myself, we grew up like that. Treats were once a week, they weren't every day. And there certainly wasn't a drawer full of them. And that's uh, all so very well, Emer, but it's for the people, you know, if... <laughs> If the you can't afford the toilet paper. The is, this is what yeah. I'm talking, I may as well be saying it in Russian. It, this is a whole new concept. Yeah. But we, we don't have a choice here. We can't control what's happening with inflation. Yeah. The, the things that are happening in the world are beyond our control. We can only control what's happening with us. And, and, you know, we have to tighten that belt and we have to learn to live another way. And there's an entire generation who don't know how to do that. Well, They've they're going to find taught. out very quickly, I think. <laughs> I think they are. We're going to leave it there for this morning. Uh, thanks to our wonderful coffee <sighs> panel uh, this morning. Pat Brown for from Munster Images, pastry chef Emer Hawk and also Emer O'Donnell of EOD Cleaning Services. Thank you uh, to all of you. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 